teachers are leaving because I had dinner with a teacher from, uh, from Austin last night. They're leaving because they don't want to give their pronouns. They don't want to have to supervise people in the bathroom because they're having sex in the bathrooms. They don't want to have to deal with that stuff. They don't want to have to deal with these, these kinds of issues. They're, you know, and we don't have to invalidate all of these teachers' issues with their, with their emotional support learning. We don't need that. Our kids are not your emotional support animals. Stop treating them like that. I'm a mother. A mother, not a birthing person. I earned that right with my cellulite and my stretch marks. You're not going to do this to us. We will fight you every single day from now on. Thank you for your testimony. Thank you for your And I am joined by that fiery, passionate mom in the video this morning, Miss Gabrielle Clark. Thanks for being here. That is the first I saw of you, what, a year ago? Yes, thank you so much for having me, Tracy. But yes, that was about a year ago. I'm like, I need to find that woman. <laughs> I need to find her and I need to, to hug her and, and, and scoop her up. And you've been on a bunch of media since since the beginning here, but I want you to tell everybody your story because it is something and you're doing amazing stuff. So I'm giving you the floor. Start your story wherever you think it best be started. Well, thank you. Um, all of this started about three, three and a half years ago uh, when I noticed some concerning things going on in my daughter's class. Um, uh, one of her teachers was showing, showing, um, 
artwork in the form, I mean, well, graffiti in the in the in uh, classifying it as artwork. Um, and this was my 11 year old. Um, and I just I didn't I thought that was bizarre. Um, it was it was they were talking about BLM and how uh, BLM had gone, you know, how these artists for the Black Lives Matter movement had gone around in cities and and um, put graffiti all over the place. And the the teacher was teaching it as if it were an acceptable form of artistic expression. Um, you know, graffiti is a crime. <laughs> and so I thought it bizarre that my daughter was being told that this was an acceptable form of ex of artistic expression. Um, and so I started paying a, a lot closer attention to what was going on in her classrooms. And I heard uh, a teacher talk uh, talking about talking about um, police brutality and the way she the way she described it was completely and totally inappropriate for that uh, grade level. And we're talking about an English class. What are they even talking about that for anyway? Um, these are these are sixth graders, you know, 11 year olds. Yep. Um, I thought that was so bizarre. Uh, so I I immediately told her to shut that down and I found her a new school right away. But my son was in that same school and this was during the this was during the lockdowns. So all of the children were distance learning. I went to my son and I asked him, you know, what has anything like this going on in your class? And he said, no. But there is something that there is something that happened that's bizarre. And my cat is I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, that's fine. We love cats. So there's one, you know, making sure that I'm doing everything right. Um, <laughs> me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I went to my son and I asked him what was going on. And and he showed me what was happening in his class. And I was completely floored. Um, you know, there were there were a lot of slides that were talking about intersectionality and critical race theory um, and, and those kinds of things in this civics class called sociology of change. Um, and and, you know, talking about those things isn't necessarily wrong, but the way that it was being taught was um very tribalistic and there there was an assignment where he was to complete um by filling out his um his identities and listing his identities and then attaching the signifier of privileged or oppressed mm. to those um well you know i'm half black and half white my first husband was black and my second husband was white. So my son at the time, we were we were living in a motel and um, we were we were homeless and my son was sleeping on a mat on the floor. But because of the way that his identities intersected, he was just considered priv privileged all the way down, race, religion, sexual orientation, that sort of thing. And I thought, that's insanity. Um, there's nothing privileged about my son's life. And according to the way the way intersectionality, the oppression privilege matrix on this intersectionality exercises, he was oppressing me and my and his siblings. 
Um, <laughs> some of my kids are black and some of my kids are white. So he was oppressing me and his, he was, he was, you know, I, I just, I thought that was such a bizarre, um, a bizarre way to teach about, about cultural differences and things like that. And, and this kind of, um, civics class seemed very bizarre. I spoke with the school about it and they, you know, they didn't give us a remedy. We just asked to be, we just asked that they let us out of that class and they said, no. And if he didn't complete this class, he would get, he would receive a failing grade. And because the, because the class was, um, mandatory, he would not be permitted to graduate. Mm. And he was a great student, if I'm not mistaken, correct? You, I mean, you know, like everyone, he was struggling um, at the time. Well, but yeah. He had, yeah, I mean, he had previously been a wonderful student. He had never had any disciplinary action. He had never been in trouble. He's a good, quiet boy, even now, you know. Um, so it just was such a it was so weird that they were taking this stand, especially since the school had been so helpful to us, um, you know, in, in recent years, we had, you know, we had become to trust the things that they were doing and the things that they were saying, because they had been good to us over the years, especially while I was, you know, while when we lost everything and I was disabled in a wheelchair, all of that stuff. So, you know, um, it was just so surprising that they were taking this hard lane stance. Um, we did everything, I did everything that I knew to do, which was to, I emailed everybody. Um, I kept getting the runaround. Every time I emailed somebody, they would say, well, you need to talk to this person. You need to talk to that person. And when I finally got up to the state and they said, you need to talk to the teacher. And they sent me right back to the first person. That was when I said, this is, that's enough of this nonsense. And so I took to Twitter <laughs> and um, I found a few uh, friendly voices on Twitter. Um, Dr. Carlin Borisenko uh, was talking about CRT in high schools and she didn't have any evidence of it, but I had all of these screenshots that my son had taken um, for this class and uh, we sent them to her and she produced a video about it. Um, I shot that around to a lot of different people and nobody really wanted to pick it up. Nobody really thought it was a big deal. Nobody really uh, cared. Um, and when I saw, I was watching Tucker Carlson and I saw Dr. Elena Fishbein from No Left Turn in Education, I sent it to her and she, she made it a big deal. Um, she helped us find a lawyer and she helped us get the first part of the process rolling. Um, and in December of 2020, we filed the first federal lawsuit against woke indoctrination in America. And how did that go? Well, I'm not homeless anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm under an NDA, but I live in a nice little bungalow by the beach. Damn right. <laughs> Damn right. That is just, I love that. I love that. That's fantastic. And then if that weren't enough, your daughter's story, just, it could be any one of us literally with teenage children. So tell everybody what happened with your daughter. While I was fighting indoctrination in the form of CRT with no left turn in education, um, my daughter was being socially transitioned into believing she was a boy. Um, 
And when I first realized what was going on, I just, I thought, no way, no way. Like the, the, the teachers and, and administrators at the school know exactly who I am and know exactly what I'm doing. Why would they even, That's why right. would they even need to do this? Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, and th that just goes to show you, it doesn't matter who you are or what you're doing or, or what kind of clout you think you have in any, in any capacity, in any place, they don't care about that. Um, you know, they'll, they'll groom and indoctrinate your children. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, when my daughter, there was an incident at my daughter's school, the, uh, one of the students was um, hospitalized for self-harm. And like all of us, we were all afraid for our children because our children had been isolated for so long. They were starting to um, become nihilistic. They were all getting addicted to their devices and there was just a melancholy coming over them all. Um, you know, a kind of more uh, morose, I don't know behaviors they were they were experiencing and 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 these these dark thoughts and dark behaviors that they were experiencing and so you know like like any other mother I was concerned the school decided to um get a counselor through through the SEL program and I had heard about this before but again I thought that's not going to happen to my kid because they know what I'm doing. They know who I am. You know, this is a good school. Um, and that just wasn't the case. After a, a few weeks of being in this program, my daughter, you know, brought home a trans identifying uh, child, uh, befriended a trans identifying child. And her behavior started to change she used to she she started out as just this really bubbly um loving and a and and sweet girl you know she loved makeup she was in petticoats and you know um she 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 was in ballet she i mean she just did all of these things all of these typical girl things um and she had a lot of uh, she had a lot of interests that are you know that would be considered typically male but for the most part, her behavior and her demeanor had always been very girly. And after this, she she started to get sarcastic and snarky and rude and, you know, all of those things. And I just thought, ugh, teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just I I have five children, but she's my only girl. So I was like, ugh, this is what <laughs> this is this is the the mean girl phase we're about to go through, so let's brace for it. Um, but it didn't seem organic, and it didn't seem right, and it started to it started to get really I don't know um, concerning because her personality wasn't just evolving; it had completely changed. Um, and you know, I think that a lot of if you talk to a lot of the sisters, they the sisters' mothers, they say the same thing. And um, this went on for a few months. And when the summer hit, we went to visit uh, a family member in a remote area of Texas. We were there and there was no there was no real connectivity there. The cell service was terrible. There was no Internet. And 
after about two weeks, my daughter went back to being the sweet girl that she had been before. And I just thought, what is going on? You know, what is this? And I thought at first I thought it was like her friends and social media and all that stuff. So when we when we when our um, time in Texas was over, excuse me, we went back to we went back to Las Vegas. She got she was able to communicate with her friends and she was able to get back on her devices and some of the behavior returned. Um, but it was still it was still her. It was still her personality. It was just some, you know, some bad, some some bad coping skills or whatever started to emerge again. But it wasn't until she started back to school that fall mm. that the real problems started, the cutting and the um, claiming that she was having night terrors and the delusions and the screaming and the slamming doors and, and, you know, all of these violent outbursts and stuff like that. That's, I mean, and she was being extremely hateful and cruel to the members of her family and particularly me. I mean, she, she used every opportunity to be ugly to me. And it was just, that's when I said, okay, it's not just peer pressure it's not just social media, it's her school. Um, and after a, after about, after a few weeks of that, I heard an administrator call her by a boy's name mm. and she immediately corrected herself. And I was like, we're getting the F out of here. <laughs> we are, we're out, you know? Um, and over that Thanksgiving, I really had to think hard about how to do this because I had heard about people losing their children if they deny their gender identity, especially if they were, um, you know, engaging in self-harm and things of that nature. Uh, so I devised a plan very similar to um, the way uh, a, a domestic violence victim would would conduct a, a, an escape plan and we took refuge in Houston, Texas. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So did your did you ever ask your daughter like what they were teaching her at school? Did you ever get any documents or anything to show what that school district was actually doing? Or was this just basically were there any interactions with administration or anything like that? Well, I knew enough to know that if I started poking around, then, you know, that was going to be a problem. You know, I, I knew enough to know that. This wasn't like this wasn't like my son's situation where there were documents already, you know, there was there was screen, you know, there were slides and rubrics and all of these other things that were in the class. This was something different. This was a counsel. These were counseling sessions. And even though they had policies about this sort of thing, getting those kinds of notes was going to require, I still haven't been able to retrieve those things, even though I hired a lawyer to go in and find out that stuff. Um, it's, it hasn't, it ha it's been a really, it's been a really unbelievably arduous process to find out about what's going on with my daughter in school as it pertains to SEL. So it, it, it boggles my mind that you literally have to move out of state to save your kid 
from this. Like you literally had to pick up your entire life and move as though you were being, you know, you were, you were running from an abuser to save your, your daughter from this. And what did you learn? Like at some point you were like, okay, I need to, I need to do something about this. Well, first of all, share how you got your daughter back on the right track. Cause she is stunning and hysterically funny and so talented. I see all your videos about her all the time. She's like, she's, I'm so fascinated. I'm, I'm And I'm going to try very hard not to burst into tears, but I'm so fascinated by her. Um, you know, every day is, has become just, it, every day with her has just become some <laughs> new level of, of um, joy, of joyousness, uh, because she is she is just blossoming into this wonderful person that I never in my wildest dreams would have thought that she was going to become this um, this this you know thing that she's too many things she's too many things I don't have enough um, I don't have enough adjectives to describe, but um, when when we got to Texas, you know. When we got to Texas, um, and and let me just tell you seriously, I did use a plan very similar to um, leaving an abuse, <laughs> leaving a domestic violence situation. I I had done some volunteer work for a domestic violence um, um, advocacy group and knew exactly what they did, and I implemented that that program. We even went and stayed at a different location for an entire week before we left because I didn't want I didn't want anybody to know where we were while we were tying up loose ends um you know it it was it was scary you know it was scary um so that getting out and and taking that two you know taking a, a two weeks to kind of get to Houston um to take refuge at a at a relative's um house, you know, that that process was um, it was telling. And I realized that there were things that I could do to help my daughter out of this of this nightmare. Um, one of the things that we did while we were gone was while we were on the road, you know, uh, taking this road trip. We didn't we didn't use our devices uh, hardly at all. We turned, you know, aside from having the phone on to know where we were going, we didn't we didn't get on social media. We didn't do any of that stuff. We just listened to music and talked. And I could I could visibly see the changes in her as we were taking that trip. Um, and that was when I said, OK, I'm going to figure this out. And that was when I started, you know, taking notes, uh, researching, um, looking into looking into the behaviors that she was exhibiting and trying to find out, um, you know, figure out how to best address them. Um, and thus the Affirming Reality program was was born. That's the program that I use to help my daughter successfully desist. I did a lot of, it was a lot of trial and error. I made a whole lot of mistakes along the way. Um, but ultimately I used, um, I used the same, the same techniques that are used for gamblers addictions, uh, more specifically poker players, because 
I lived in Las Vegas for years, and what I saw my daughter experiencing was very similar to what I'd seen and heard uh, as it des as described by poker players who have a poker addiction. Um, and so I used that model to help my daughter um, to help deprogram my daughter from this from this social media and, and addiction to her devices. Uh, people don't really think you can get addicted to something that's, you know, something that's not a uh, chemically ingested, you know, but that's just it, not true. It is chemical. It is chemical because it's, I dopamine. mean, I, it's, it, yes, dopamine is, dopamine hit. yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's so, yeah, you're right. It, it is, it is everything that we interact with is chemical in some nature by our response. Um, right. But I mean, chemically ingested. Oh, no, like, I know. I know. I'm just saying like a lot of people think you can't, you know, but the chemicals that that your body naturally produces absolutely can um, can cause an addiction to, you know, those little dopamine hits. They make you feel good if you're sad. And when you don't have them, they you're you're you go through a withdrawal. Um, and I saw this with my daughter. So. So creating a plan to get her out of the addicted mind um, was it was it was uh, um, it was very telling. And it, I learned a lot from doing that. I have to ask you a question before I play this video that you've created to kind of explain what you've been doing um, and what you will do. What was one of the biggest mistakes you think you made through that journey of trying to help your daughter? Um, taking the hardline stance that she is not a boy. Uh, I, I, honestly, a lot of people think that you're just supposed to never affirm and, and, you know, you can convince them that they're not trans. Um, and as we have seen when you do that, and I think there, there, that was, that could have worked some time ago. But if you do that now, you really do run the risk of losing custody of your of your child, number one. And number two, they completely shut down. So I'm having this fight with my daughter about all of this stuff before before we left Las Vegas. And it just made her dig in deeper mm. and I realize that until some time later. Um, and that's where the that's where the deprogramming. Uh, comes in because I also recognized that this was a cult. <laughs> and so I looked into I looked into other other kinds of cults that I think resembled it. I, I remembered about um, Megan Phelps Roper and I paid close attention because we were living in in Las Vegas. Uh, there were a lot of um, <laughs> my thing. Yep, I don't <laughs> It off. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm only laughing because of what we talked about before the show. <laughs> I don't know how to turn off my notifications. Um, but I, I, I had we had um, people who had left the Warren Jeffs FDLS Church, FLDS, yeah, FLDS Church. So I knew what leaving a cult looked like, and so the you know between the addiction and the cult putting those two together and creating a step-by-step -step program to to uh, gradually pull her out of this was um it, it it was it was i don't know it was it was a transcendent experience for both me and her
How long did it take, do you think, from start to finish? From start to finish, well, I mean, I guess that would depend on where 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 you would where you would consider a a start from move uh, from when you moved from when we moved to fin- it. I would say there was a good six months, a good six months, solid six months for her to desist. Um, but the affirmative reality programs that that goal, the aim, is not just to desist them because once they're desisted once the children are desisted they're still they are still um vulnerable because they were in a bad place to begin with to be to be susceptible to the cult so i don't aim to just desist i aim to put put families on the right track so that their their entire family is able to um, continue on the trajectory to success in life, not just not just um, desistance. I I that was one that was another mistake. I thought once she was desisted, she was fine, and that was not that was not right. Um, and so it probably I would say there was another year after that to get her on the track that she's on now, where you see the 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 Danica that you see now. Um in in, you know, it I would say from start to where I'd like to see a finish, that was probably a year and a half. And, you know, a lot of people think that parenting isn't isn't really, you know, there's so many hands-off parents that just kind of like let their kids go and do their thing. And it's not I, I hate to to judge parents because it's not their fault a lot of the time. Like there's a lot of people, you know, the social media aspect of, of how we grow up, uh, our kids grow up these days is huge. And that's how most of these kids who think that they they should transition and do all of this, this you know, um, irreversible damage to their bodies. It comes from social media, from people, you know, grooming them via social media, even if they never have direct contact. So through... Through all your experiences, I want to play this video because it's really, really good. But you you've testified in front of, you know, state Congress. You've been at many, many events. How did that all start? When did you start really going out there and trying to reach out to other parents? Um, when I, I was watching uh, another mother who you know, I'm I'm a fan of um, Nicole Solis. I was I was watching all of the things that she was doing, <laughs> um, and I watched a heritage um, a, a heritage foundation event that she was at. She was speaking at, and I watched the entire thing. And I found out about Abigail Martinez. Um, Abigail Martinez. She's a mother whose daughter was taken away. Um, because she wouldn't affirm her gender in California, the the Yaeli, her daughter, excuse me, was put on testosterone, even though she was already suffering from some real uh, mental health issues. And, you know, she subsequently, you know, stepped in front of a train um, after three years of being away from her mother. Um, and listening to Abigail Martinez talk about her experience just it it was so it was visceral for me because I had 
I had the wherewithal and the presence of mind to escape, but that could have been me and my daughter. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm getting chills just thinking about it now. I always do. Every last night, I had to. I got a frantic phone call at you know eight o'clock in the evening because there is a family who needs to escape. You know who needs to escape of a situation exactly like that right now. So when I saw that, when when I saw Abigail Martinez. And I knew that this was happening to my daughter and I was ashamed. So I wasn't saying anything about it. You know, I was ashamed because I had been a bad parent. I had been a hands off. Well, not necessarily hands off, but I hadn't been hands on enough. And I was already fighting indoctrination for CRT. And I was, you know, traveling and speaking at events and all of these things. And I had no idea what was going on under my own roof. And when I saw that, that put me in full-time activation mode for for not just my daughter, but for all of the, the children of our country who are being indoctrinated and groomed into this cult. So I'm going to play this video that you created, um, and then we're going to talk about this program that you've developed and how you're, you know, you're launching that and what you're doing and let everybody know it's available and it's a resource. I'm just going to transition my screen and play your video real quick. My name is Gabrielle Clark and I'm an American. I've traveled all over my country speaking out against indoctrination to legislators and at school board meetings. I've been sending out a call to action at protests and public demonstrations from Washington State all the way to Washington, D.C. I've met so many great Americans. I've met detransitioners and I've met mothers. I've hugged them and cried with them as I listened to their terrible and tragic stories. I've met doctors and politicians, women's rights activists and education advocates. And now I'm sitting down with people to launch a grassroots approach to address uniquely American issues from a uniquely American perspective reaching out through podcasts and social media spaces so and I I'm can connect with organizers in America. Believe it. I want to raise a solution-driven pro-reality movement against gender ideology. I created the Affirming Reality methodology to pull my daughter out of gender confusion. I help others do the same. I want to broaden that scope with Affirming Reality Connect and providing resources for Americans. And I want to start in my hometown of Houston, Texas. And there it is. So let's talk about what you've done here. I've got your website, which is launching very soon. We've got a ticker here. You're on the deadline. <laughs> I know how hard it is to pull something like this together, so I'm giving you tons of credit. But tell us what Affirming Reality Connected is and what it will be. Affirming Reality Connected is a, it's a community formed around the Affirming, Affirming Reality program. Um, you know, there's there are so many organizations that have formed, but I, their, their main goal or their main approach is to create legislation um, or to or to discuss the political aspects of this. 
But there are very many people who are really doing what needs to be done for for people like me, for people like Abigail, you know, and and a lot of the a lot of them don't have anywhere to turn. And over the course of the last year, I've been coaching people. Um, I've been coaching people on how to parent their children into desistance from social transitioning at AffirmingReality.com. But the things that I've heard uh, that are happening to these people in the process is just, it's its unbelievable. A lot of people just don't even know this stuff is going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, children are being taken out of their homes and put in and put in group homes or foster care situations over gender nonsense. I mean, there are meth heads and, you know, uh, 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 sexual deviants that are allowed to keep their children, even though, even though they've been reported. But if you, if you do not affirm your child's gender nonsense, then, then you're somehow unsafe even though there's no other, there are no other indications that your child is in any danger. Um, and this is this is going on. It's really happening all over the country. And it doesn't matter if you're in a red state. It doesn't matter if you're even in a red county. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's happening all over the country. In Pasco County, Florida, 122 children were Baker acted in one year. That means that 122 children in Pasco County, Florida, a red county, were were hospitalized on a on a on a psych hold. I mean, you know, I don't know 122 people in my life that have, you know, in the course of my life that have ever been put on a on a psych hold. You know, it's just it's excessive. Um, and I'm I've noticed other things like um, I've noticed that that in some states where there has been um, a push to uh, co-parent instead of one parent getting sole custody and the other parent getting, you know, getting um, visitation, there's been a push to create uh, co-parenting environments where each parent gets an equal amount of time with their children or they're able to come up with um, alternative solutions to to a you know divorce situation to to separate households. In some of those states, the mothers are transitioning their children to get a leg up so that they can get sole custody and the maximum of spousal support and child support with no visitation to the father. The worst part of that is I've, we've written about several of these stories. Like there, there was a gentleman out of Texas whose name is escaping me right now was trying to save his son from being transitioned and almost was put in jail um, because he was trying to do so. So yeah, they're, they're using divorce as this weapon for sure. I right. see. If, if you're a parent and you know, your kid's starting to get a little bit what you think is off their normal personality what's one of the first things that most parents accidentally overlook that is a sign that this is happening i i would say they overlook the possibility that their their parenting is not you know their parenting is is right like I mean, a lot of people don't realize that this is not this is not something that the child needs therapy for. Mm-hmm. 
this is something that the parents need, you know, an education on. Mm -hmm. Um, So many parents, the first thing they do is, you know, even if they're in a, in an, in a, a normal situation and they're not, they're not in danger of being activated on by, by CPS or the schools or, or medical professionals. The first thing they think that they should do is get their child therapy because they think that there's something wrong with their child. Um, and that's typically not the case. Uh, the majority of the time, and I will say the vast majority of the time, it's because they they are unaware of the shift in in parenting styles and parenting techniques that we have we all need to take because of the technological age. You can't just you you can't you can't do the same things that we did when we were growing up. Um, as parents, especially if you're a Gen Xer like myself, where we were just feral, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> run miles. Yep. You know, <laughs> we were come back when the street lights come on, kind of thing. Yep. I mean, that's not, it's we don't live in that world anymore. And- um, especially since the kids are spending most of their time in front of a screen. And they're letting the predator in through their through their device. Somebody somebody in the chat said weak parents, and that's not necessarily true. Uh, it's really no. not. It's it's there are they aren't weak parents. They're just parents who don't understand how things work now. And that's what you're talking about is educating parents on how things work and where the dangers lie. There is no there is no PSA going out. You know, like you know, it's ten. It's ten o'clock. Do you know where your children are? Or you, the 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 mothers against drunk driving, or even even which we we won't get into the corruption there. But even the drug commercials that we used to have when we were Gen Xers growing up, that's that's not available because the government wants your kids to be doing this. They want, yes. So they want them to be. They want them to have maladaptive coping skills. They teach it. Mm-hmm. They encourage it. They encourage so victimhood. Yes, it's not weak parenting. And I, I really want to stress that um, a lot of people, a lot of people who would even say that don't even realize that some of the things that they're doing are too, are also um, going to, are going to um, make your child vulnerable. You know, the Colstads, for example, in Montana, the Colstads for in, in Montana, they they lost their parental rights. Um, this is a red state with a with a conservative governor, and you know you would think Montana would be you know uh, pretty conservative all the way around, and and that you know it, that we're talking about you know salt of the earth kind of people. Um, they did everything that you would think would be right. These were not weak parents. They were actually putting boundaries around their daughter. But their daughter was, you know, their I mean, the situation with the Colsets is 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 unbelievable because it really speaks volumes as to the levels of of you know diabolical um you know nefarious nefarious intent by our our um you know unelected bureaucrats. The Colstads, one of their a family member reached out to me um, uh, to talk to tell me about the Colstad situation because they heard me speaking in a space. 
on Twitter. And when they told me when they told me about what was going on, I didn't believe it. And I, I was just like, OK, well, have them send me an email with a description of what's going on. And when Krista Kolstad, um, the stepmother, when she, she when she sent me an email showing me what was happening, I was I was just I was completely shocked. I was in com complete and utter disbelief. And I called her on the phone immediately. And I said, OK, how much of I mean, you know, and I, I we talked for a little bit. And after after listening to her and talking to her and seeing this and I was going, this is really happening. What the Colstads experienced, their daughter was taken away because they refused to they refused to um, accept her gender identity. Um, and and how that transpired was that it, it started out by them being parents, by them doing the right thing which was they were putting boundaries around their daughter. She wanted to, she wanted, she had a job. She wanted to continue her job through through the school year. And the Colsteads said no, because they knew that she wasn't going to be able to, um, you know, handle a job and school. So they wanted her to focus on school. And because she she was told no and, and she was parented, she, you know, got mad and she started talking, you know, she started texting with a friend about the situation and the friend called the police and the police didn't even go to see what was going on at, at the in the family. What happened was they called CPS. CPS came out. They had a conversation with the daughter without the, you know, uh, without the daughter. They looked around the house to see to make sure she was living in a in um in a, a safe environment. They determined that nothing was wrong with the household per se, but that the Colsteads were not doing their job as parents by getting this child the right, uh, the right um, support. And so they took her, they took her and hospitalized her and then sent her to another state because it's illegal to transition children in Montana. You would think that living in that environment, you were safe to parent your children. So no, it's not weak parents. Some of these parents are doing exactly what they're supposed to do and they still end up having to deal with the effects of gender ideology. And this is why I created the Affirming Reality Connected. Um, you know, this is why I'm creating this community because people like the Colstads. Ain't that right, Freddie? That's right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Cat knows. She knows. She knows. Smart cat, you my out there. My one-eyed, three-legged cat. She's she's getting back. She just got her. She just got her arm amputated a few months ago. So now she's kitty catting again. She's all over the place. She looks great. <laughs> Thank um, you. Is there going to be a social network aspect to this, um, or like a private forum or someplace where parents can talk to one another that's out of the you know general? public so to say yes we've created discords we've created discords that you know we're going to be launching along with the website um as soon as it's up and running of course we're we're still doing we're still doing all of the administrative behind the scenes work um and but you know the colstads were our first case right i mean they were our first 
a big case. I mean, we we help people along the way in all kinds of other in all kinds of other ways. Um, but it, you know, we wanted to silo some of the problems uh, in to according to how how they're being how they're affecting various groups, right? So, so affirming reality connected men's is has a very specific and um and unique problem because the men have different concerns than the women so affirming reality connected women's also has very specific for instance you know there are a lot of men who are concerned about their rights as as fathers you know to stay in their children's lives whether they're married or divorced mm -hmm. this has become a problem for men a, a huge problem but the women are more concerned about saving women's sports and um and you know keeping single sex spaces so they don't really and i i recognize that the way that that a lot of organizations are trying to fix these problems is they try to attack them all at once with legislation but I'm seeing that there are other ways that we can silo these problems according to the demographic that they affect. So affirming reality parents and affirming reality D-trans, those, those groups will have will have um will have their own space so that we can attack those problems so that we as people can come together for a particular problem and attack those problems in that way. Just absolutely brilliant, amazing, so needed right now, so needed. There's no one else doing this and especially no one else doing it who's lived through it the way that you have in so many different ways. Um, what can we do to help you? How, how you know, I, I'm glad to have you on the show. I've always been an admirer of yours, but how else can, can those of us out here who wanna see this succeed help? Well, you know, I, I, I understand that a lot of people are scared to be to be public, but we really do need more people to speak out um, and we need more parents to to learn about this. Um, we need more parents to learn what is going on so that they can catch it early enough. Um, and you don't even I think that a lot of people think that um in order to be effective in their communities, then they have to then they have to out themselves as a transphobe. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's not necessarily true. Um, you know, that's not necessarily true. Uh, there are a lot of people who are who are working, uh, you know, undercover, um, just planting seeds here and there, and and taking things in a more positive direction without really without really uh, outing themselves. Um, as a as a um, a grassroots activist, um, you can activate uh, without exposure. Um, so we we do need people to to come into this to work to do the work that is going to change the nation. Um, and for the people who really feel like they're just too afraid to do that stuff, please by all means throw some money at this situation because we are up against billions of dollars. Yep. You're up against billions of dollars. And I've set up all, I mean, I've set up all kinds of ways, um, you know, on my link tree, Gabs Clark Five, there are lots of ways to show your support. Um, monetary support is greatly, greatly needed. A lot of these families 
they just don't have the resources. And, you know, I mean, I'm doing everything I've can. I've dedicated my life to this. So, you know, there's no, there's no, um, there's no uh, foundation money or, you know, we've decided to not, we've decided to um, stay away from the nonprofit status because we didn't want to have the golden leash mm -hmm. around our necks. Um, and I think that a lot of people, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot to all of this that I think a lot of people don't recognize and don't really understand. Um, it, it, I go to protests all over the country. We're planning on doing more protests um, this spring and this summer. Um, and those things all cost money. There's no backers. There's no, the Koch brothers ain't gave me nothing. <laughs> <laughs> me neither. Join the club. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, helping us, you know, we have um, we have affirming reality on on Give, Send, Go and on Go Get Funding. Um, you know, we have campaigns there as well. Um, so any support at all is is greatly appreciated because I got to tell you, um, we we're not trying to we're not trying to um, get rich off of this situation. But in order to do the things that we need to do, it is going to take a lot of money. Um, and and we we're we provide a service that is not necessarily going to render any any um, money from it with the Colstads. And we're effective, too. With the Colstads, we were able to we were able to get them three lawyers because they were also they were also threatened with arrest because of a gag order that was placed on them. So they were being threatened with arrest if they, if, 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 and when they click, uh, come back to Montana, cause they left, they left, they went to Ohio and they were threatened with arrest if they were to come home. And, you know, we were able to find them three lawyers. We were, we were able to help facilitate the raising of 25, over $25,000. And we, we were able to um, get them get them um, exposure to over a hundred media outlets. Um, you know, my second in command, Maddie Watkins, she is a tough rad femme from Washington. And she, she was able to facilitate that. These are, this is the, the level of dedication of the people on our team. And we're all, you know, aside from me, there, there's, they're all volunteers. Um, so, you know, we, and, 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 I just found out recently in the in the last couple of days that the Colstads, because of what happened and because we were able to to facilitate lawyer uh, rep, legal representation for them, that case has been dismissed. So they can now go back home without the threat of arrest. Yeah, that we're, we're going to take your daughter from you and then we're going to arrest you if you dare speak of it. That's right. This is America, quote, America. Uh, I, I can't even believe this. I, I want to thank you so much for being here. I'm going to put in the show notes below the show all of the links to everything so people can can check you out, follow you on social media, and just support what you're doing. Um, I'm, I'm, I love it. Anything I can do to help you, please let me know. I'm happy to help. And again, I want to push back against the weak parents thing again for a minute because Parents just don't get it sometimes. And I'm saying this to you because I was one of those parents a couple years ago who did not realize 
what was going on until I had a major red flag put in front of me that said, hold on a second, you need to take a different look at this. And so not everyone's going to do that. Not everyone is going to realize it. And it, it doesn't mean that they're bad parents. It just means that they're not used to this universe. Um, thank you. There's something else too, though. There. Okay. So it's not just, it's not just that they're also, they're also being emotionally blackmailed and, mm. and they're threatened <clears throat> being coerced so you it's not i mean weak parenting you know i would say that if 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 this were just happening to you know uh you know a bunch of single parents who are you know who are full-time you know full-time and and two jobs and they're you know and they're not really paying attention to their kids Mm -hmm. this is happening to two parent households with with you know means re- even even religious go, you know going to church i mean you know what i'm saying doing all of those things they're do- some of these people are doing everything right and they're sneak these these so it's sneaking in through the back door in the middle of the night while you're asleep is basically what's going on and if you don't have a camera there to see it and this is all you know hypothetical if you don't have a camera there to see it you're not going to see it until one day something terrible happens and you're like oh my gosh what happened so yeah um thank you so much for for joining me i would love to have you back as this progresses and as you kind of hit benchmarks and milestones which i know you will i i I had it's funny that you spoke about dr k because i had her on the show when she first walked away um right and that was a long time ago but i I was the one who helped her get to cpac so she could experience that so it's kind of full circle i remember feeling exactly the same feeling with brandon from walk away as i do with you starting this because i know you're on the cusp of something really really helpful and great for our, our country and our kids so thank you so much thank you thank you so much for having me lots of love for you and you're you're one brave woman more people should pay attention and we'll talk to you next time